Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I read a story this week of a mother that was tucking her young son into the bed, and it was a kind of a stormy night. Some of we us in this area experienced a little bit of that last night, but you know those kind of nights when the thunder's kind of rolling, the lightning's kind of flashing. It was a summer night, and uh, those kind of things come up quickly, and she was tucking the little boy into bed, and she, uh, she said, you know, everything's going to be all right. She got him tucked in, and he said, Mommy, can you just stay with me all night? She said, no, honey, I, I can't sleep in here with you all night. It's going to be okay. I'm just across the hall. I'll be right over there. I, I, everything will be fine. He said, well, Mommy, Mommy, can you, can you just stay with me for a few hours? And she said, no, I, I can't stay with you for a few hours. Everything will be okay. It's going to be all right. Say, I'm, I'm going to be right across the hall. You can just stay right here. I'll take care of you. Well, Mommy, can you just stay with me for a few minutes? And she said, no, son, I, I'm sorry. It's time to go to bed. She says, you know this, that every night I go in there, I've got to go in there. I have to sleep with Daddy tonight. And the little boy just thought for a minute and he said, you mean the big sissy? Immediately he thought that his dad was more scared than he was, and that might have been the case. Fear is an interesting subject, isn't it? I mean, we're all scared of something. If, if, if stories are correct, if statistics are true, then fear is a universal emotion. Some of them are pretty normal. How many of you here are scared of snakes? Let me see the hands. All right? I'm one of them. There we go. We're over the astral average. Only 51% of people admit to being afraid of snakes. I think that's low. Another 49 aren't sane. Number 27% are scared of spiders. 21% of needles. 36% of heights. I mean, those kind of things are normal. You've heard me say before, I think, that, that one of the interesting facts is that uh, if you poll people, more people are scared of public speaking than death. Which means, as one comedian put it, at most funerals, people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. <laughs> but some fears are not normal. In fact, there's a website you can go to called phobialist.com. And there are over 500 fears that a man named Fred Colbertson has put together. You can actually get a poster-sized version on your wall. And he lists all the ones that he can find in reference books or medical papers, things that have been actually cited. Listen to some of these. On a Wednesday night, several months ago now, we did some of these, but listen to them. For instance, there's the geniophobia, or the fear of chins. There is allophobia, the fear of flutes. There's pelidophobia, the fear of bald people. There's entherophobia, the fear of mother-in-law. Nobody admit if you've got that, especially your mother-in-law's here. Pteranophobia, the fear of being tickled by feathers. Rational, of course. One of my favorites, periscadecotrachophobia, which is fear of Friday the 13th. There's cyberphobia, the fear of computers. And some of you are experiencing right now homilophobia, which is the fear of sermons. Fear is universal. And what we've talked about over the last few weeks is that we were trying to get back to who Jesus is and, and, and what Jesus was about. And part of that is to understand why He came. There's, you know, in, in recent years in the church, there's been discussion of a purpose-driven church. There's been description of a purpose-driven life. The truth is, if you look in Scripture, 
we realize that the vintage Jesus was a purpose-driven Savior. That the reason that He came, He spells out many, many times. In fact, in His first sermon, the first sermon that He ever preached, He got up in a synagogue, He took a scroll and He opened it to a part of Isaiah to proclaim this is who He was. And this is what He said, and I've quoted it from Luke chapter 4, verses 18-19, through 19, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on Me, because He has anointed Me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And one of the things that I know for sure that Jesus wants to set us free from is our fear. In fact, look at Psalm 34, 6 that's on your handout. It says, I cried out to the Lord in my suffering and He heard me. He set me free from all my fears. Now we realize in the Old Testament there is talking about Yahweh setting us free from our fears, but Jesus in coming represented the Father and His goal in our life is to free us from fears. Now there are two basic kinds of fears. There's the external, there's the spiders, the snakes, the the things on the outside, and then there's the internal stuff. And this is what I've discovered in my life that While the outside stuff can be paralyzing for a moment, the internal fears can be paralyzing for seasons. You know, one of the big movies this summer is Indiana Jones' movie that's come out, and Susan and I went to see that recently. And uh, if you've seen any of the Indiana Jones movies, he knows he has a fear of snakes. And one of the things that's interesting about that to me is that no matter what happens, when the snake comes, no matter what other danger he's in, he freezes. Well, my son, Eli, was at his grandparents. He discovered the truth that whatever he asked them, they gave him. He was there for the first time on his own for several days. And he called, Susan called him on the second day, and he, she was planning on going a couple of days later, and he said, Mommy, you don't have to come. And she said, well, I want to see you. He says, I know, but you can wait a little bit. And she said, why? He goes, because whatever I ask Granddad Phil, he gives me. And one of the things that they got for him was a new video game. We had been telling Eli, it costs too much money. We go to the store, that's too much money, Eli. We can't get that. Daddy, I want that game. It's too much money. Do you have the money to pay for it? No, then where are we going to get the money? Well, you've got the money. That's too much money. And he would always tell us, well, why don't we call Granddaddy because he's got all the money. And so he got a new video game. Well, he got the Indiana Jones Lego game. And one of the neat things about that game is it shows this principle that when any snake comes around, Indiana Jones freezes. And the truth is, if you see a spider or a snake and you're scared of those things, there's a momentary freeze. But usually when that passes, you're okay. But internal fears can cause us to freeze and to live our lives in a way that is not glorifying to God. It can paralyze us for seasons, for years, for decades. And so this morning, I want you to think about in your mind, what is it that God is trying to free me from today? Because most of us try to do one of two things with fear. We either deny it's there or we try to control it. And either way, we're paralyzed. You know, at the beginning of that John 10, 10, I quoted earlier, it says, the thief comes, Satan comes, to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the ways he does that is he instills fear in us. He instills fear in our lives that paralyzes us 
into doing things in a different way than we ought to. Fear goes all the way back to the very first part of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. You remember Adam and Eve, they sin. They do things that God tells them not to do. And when God comes, He says, where are you? And Adam says, well, we were naked and we were scared, afraid, so we hid. It goes throughout Scripture. You see people not doing God's will find themselves in fear. And the truth is that fear is not a part of it. It's part of Satan's tactic. You know the verse of Scripture that says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour? A better understanding of that verse is not devour, it's intimidate. That Satan lurks around trying to wait to see who he can intimidate. You ever seen a lion at the zoo? Yeah, this, yes, no, okay. You've seen a lion, and most of us have seen lions in a tame place. And here's the thing. When it's got that big barrier between me and that big ditch, I'm not really intimidated. If I were to turn the corner of my house one day and there stood a lion, a little intimidation would be there. And it tells us that in the wild, the way that the lion intimidates its prey is that it roars to the point that it actually shakes the ground and paralyzes its prey with fear. Most of you have probably heard the name Black Bart. From 1875 to 1883, he had 29 robberies of the Wells Fargo stage line from San Francisco to New York. One of the interesting things about Black Bart is that in those 29 robberies, over a period of eight years, he never fired a shot. He had a hood that hit his face. He never took a hostage. He never, never did anything tragic. All he ever did was scare people. Listen to this quote from him. He said, Fear, the face of the unknown, was my weapon of choice, my weapon of intimidation. Well, this morning, we're going to ask ourselves, what is it that God is trying to free us from? In the vintage Jesus who came to set us free, what is it that He wants to free us from? Romans chapter 8, verse 31. We're going to see four truths this morning that God wants us to understand that will give us a more free existence. Verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom Christ, who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is He that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to give you four truths out of that passage of Scripture this morning that helps us in understanding what God came to do and why He's here and what He wants to do in our lives. First of all, we need to understand that God is for us. It's not hard to figure out where I got that, right? Verse 31. 
What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's an amazing truth. Think about this. I could come up with a long list of people who could be against me. I could come up with people that might not like me. I could come up with a list of might have people that might have a problem with me. I'm sure you in your own mind could come up with a list of people that might be against you. But the truth is, Scripture teaches us that it doesn't matter who might be against us because God is for us, everything else is nullified. It's true, if God is for us, then nobody, no thing, no circumstance, no problem, nothing can be against us. Here's the idea. If you've got something you're facing in your life and you don't know whether you can handle it or not, the truth is, if God is for you, you can. Now, I'm not talking about the uh, ooey-gooey, New Age philosophy that we can accomplish anything we want to. I'm not talking about the I'm okay, you're okay stuff. I'm not talking about I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and people like me stuff. I'm talking about that through Christ because of what He has done, that He is on our side, that we can accomplish what God puts in our place. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, some of you, one of the things that might need to happen in your life when fears come up is that when you think about what might be happening, when you're laying in bed at night and all the scenarios are running through your head of what could be and what might happen and what has happened, and it goes over and over in your mind, and you think, how in the world am I going to handle that? You just say to yourself, God is for me. God is for me. Say that with me. God is for me. Maybe you write that on your mirror and you put it up. Maybe you put it in your car. And when something comes along that you don't know how you're going to handle it, you say, God is for me. Well, how do I know that? He proved it. John 3.16. Anybody ever heard of that verse there? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. John 3.16 The idea there is that God proved His love for us not just in saying it, but in showing it. And the reaction is that we don't have to strive to get His approval. The reaction is that you and I, you and I can understand that He loves us, that He cares for us, that He's for us, and that He's on our side. Here's the amazing thing. Sometimes I think and I know that God loves me, Sometimes I think and I know that God wants to take care of me, but I don't get this mental image that God is fighting for me on my side. When I was growing up, we lived on a a street called Rose Drive. And Rose Drive was uh, just out in the country. It was a, it was in between Dyersburg and Rowell, those two metropolises. Not far from Frog Jump, a little around the bend. And on Rose Drive, as I've mentioned, we, we had some wrestling matches every now and then. In fact, we had a guy that's father wrestled in Memphis in the local circuit, and so he built us a ring one time. And here was the thing that I loved about wrestling in Rose Drive. I was the light heavyweight champion. There was only one other light heavyweight, and I was a little bigger than him, so I was the champion. And the commissioner of the league was my brother, who was a five and a half years older and a lot bigger. And in one match, I got in trouble. 
in my light heavyweight championship defense. And my brother, being the referee, as they were counting out, you know wrestling, some of you are acting like you're not into wrestling, that's okay. I know it's a sophisticated thing and you don't want to be associated with it, but some of you watch. How many of you ever watched wrestling? It's, com- it's confession time. All right, you know in wrestling they've got to count them out, right? They've got to count to what? S- say it like you know it. They've got to count to what? Three, right? And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I've got the guy pinned. I get him in trouble. I've got him pinned and it goes one, my brother's counting by the way, one, two, and his shoulder comes off the mat. So my brother just takes his arm throws the shoulder back down and says, three, Lyle wins. <laughs> now here's the thing. It didn't matter that day who I was fighting against because my brother was for me. And the truth is, there are times in our lives when it seems like whatever problem we've got is about to get up off the mat and come back at us. And God is right there to throw that shoulder back down and say, three, it's done. If God is for us, who can be against us? Some of you are facing enormous things in your life. Some of you are facing things that in the worldly standard ought to be scary and you ought to be afraid of and fear ought to be a part. But here's the truth. If you trust in the God who is for you, you can overcome it. Here's the second thing. Not only is God for us, but secondly, we need to understand that God will give to us. Not only is God for us, but God will give to us. Look what it says in verse 32. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? You know one of the biggest fears in America today is that we won't have enough. Anybody heard anything about the economy lately? Anybody uh, grimaced every time you put the uh, gas into your car? Seen those prices steadily climb? It seems like everybody's scared of what the economy's going to do. Are we going to have enough? Will we be able to do this? I read a survey, and this was taken about two years ago, and so it's not even accurate today, but 36% of people are afraid they're not going to be able to pay their medical bills. 35% 35% are scared there's no Social Security that's going to be available when they get there. 31% don't think they're going to have enough to, love, to care for loved ones. 22% think they won't be able to pass on an inheritance. And 20% believe that the stock market's going to crash real soon. That may be happening. And the truth is we live in a country that suddenly is on shaky ground economically. At least that's the way it feels, right? I know that even... Me, with my modest retirement savings that have begun. It was not a good month or quarter for me to get my quarterly statement and see I lost more than I put in. That's not good. That's not how it's supposed to work, right? And so people are worried about that. But what I love is that Christ here tells us through the Apostle Paul as he writes to the Romans that we serve a God who's going to make sure our needs are taken care of. It says He gave us His Son. Don't you think He'll take care of the little stuff? Think about that for a minute. He gave us the very flesh and blood of His Son. He sent Him to earth. He made Him wrapped in flesh. He sent Him to live in our filthy, stinky, sin-filled world. And He put Him on a cross to die for our sins. And somehow we think that God's not going to take care of our needs. 
It says he didn't spare his son. Why is he going to do not spare anything else? Look what it says in, that's what it says in Romans 8.32, the CEV version. God didn't keep his own son. He gave him for us. Won't he freely give us everything else? Look at Philippians 4.19. It says, My God will use his wonderful riches in Christ Jesus to give you everything you need. Anybody see the story in the paper about the uh, man in Knoxville that's suing a church for two and a half million? Anybody see that? The man in Knoxville suing a church for two and a half million, and uh, we're not going to get into theological issues about this. You do have a card if you want to ask some theological issues over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to, uh, over the next week, and we're going to take those up, and, and, and I'll preach a similar series of sermons after starting uh, in a couple of weeks on that. But there was a guy that, that was at a Pentecostal church, and East Tennessee, and prayed that the Lord would give him a special experience. And when the the Lord gave him the experience, he fell. And nobody caught him. And he's now suing the church for two and a half million dollars because nobody was there to catch him. Now here's the deal. Whatever you think about that, I think it's ridiculous, but whatever you think about that. I was just talking to somebody the other day and just, you know in my sarcastic tone that sometimes comes out that I have to repent of on a regular occasion, I said, why didn't he just sue God? Because he could get a whole lot more than two and a half million out of God's resources. I didn't say that blasphemous. What I meant by that is, and I mean that, God's resources are unlimited. Now here's the thing. Most of us confuse need and want. Amen? Amen? Most of us confuse need with want. We also need to understand God's timing. Sometimes God gives us what we need. It's just not in the time that we think we need it. Amen? That wasn't very loud. You weren't convinced of that. You weren't happy about that. I'm sorry. We need to remember to depend on God, and we don't stop depending on Him for our needs because He won't give us our wants. I heard a story about Dallas Theological Seminary back in... 1924, it was founded, and it almost folded. It didn't have the money. The creditors were coming, and they set a noon deadline. Noon, they were coming. The creditors were coming. They were going to foreclose, shut down Dallas Theological Seminary. So they got the founders of the school and the president's office to pray that God would provide. And in that prayer meeting was Harry Ironside. And when it was his turn to pray, he said, just in a candid Texan way, said, Lord, it says in the Bible, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Could you sell some of the cattle and bring us the check? About that time, out in the president's office area, a tall Texan man walked in. Strolled in and said, Howdy. He said, I've just been with two carloads of cattle down in Fort Worth, Texas. I've been trying to get some business deals done, but none of them will happen, and I just feel the Lord wants me to give this money to the seminary today. I don't know if you need it or not, but here's the check. The secretary took the check looked at the financial statement, and the check was for the exact amount they needed to cover their expenses. She went to the door, timidly tapped. Dr. Lewis Chafer, the founder and the president, answered the door, took the check from her hand. She told him the story. He looked at the amount. It was the exact sum. He recognized the name on the check as that of a cattleman. He turned to Dr. Ironside and said, Harry, God sold the cattle. God wants to give. Some of you are facing economic uncertainty. The economy, while uh, it, it, not as bad as other places in the world, is 
difficult for you right now. And you don't know where the paycheck is going to go and how you're going to figure it out. And you're not sure where it's going to all come out at the end, at the end of the month, this month. You don't even know if the ledger is going to match. And you don't know how it's going to work. Let me tell you this. God will provide your need. Here's the third thing. Not only will we see that God is for us and that God will give to us, but thirdly, God will forgive us. Look at verse 34. Who is He that condemns? What it says basically, like it says, who can be against us as God is for us, what it says here is, who can condemn us? Because Christ Jesus who died, more than that, He didn't just die, He was raised to life. He is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who is it that can condemn us? Because Christ has made us right. This is what I love. You see that in the New Living Translation up on your screen is the idea that not only does God forgive us when we come to Him immediately, but the truth is that Jesus Christ is constantly at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. I just want you to think of what we've heard so far in this passage of Scripture. First of all, God, uh, God is fighting for us. He's on our side. Secondly, He's going to give us everything that we need. Thirdly, that Christ, when we mess up, Christ is still at the right hand of the Father, constantly interceding on our behalf. What that means is your value is not based on your performance. 8808 starts the Olympics, right? And on 8808, we're going to be involved in watching people get judged by their performance. Girls and guys will be uh, flopping around a gymnastics floor. Maybe flopping around is not the actual the term. I think they, they twirl, they jump, they spin, you know, whatever. I can't do any of it, so I don't know what to call it. And when they get done, there are going to be a row of judges that are going to lift up scores for them, right? And it's all based on how they are. Most of us live our lives like we think there are people out there judging how we're doing. Well, today was an 8. My, my today was a 2.5. And I... Rarely do we think, boy, I really nailed it today. That was a nine and a half. The truth is that God doesn't care. Now, He wants us to live for Him. He wants us to be passionately devoted. But part of the problem with living our lives is we get so concerned that we're going to mess up that we don't try to do anything for Him. And so what Jesus says is, listen, as I have set you free from your sin, you don't have to fear messing up. 1 John 1, nine says, If we confess our sins... He will forgive our sins because we can trust God to do what is right. He will cleanse us from all the wrongs we have done. The idea there is that we must confess, we must trust, and we must accept what God has done. You know, it's not that sin doesn't matter in our lives. It does matter. It mattered to the point that Christ died for us. But we need to understand is that His death matters a lot more than the sin. Don't live in fear of messing up. Here's the fourth thing. And a beautiful passage. God will not leave us. Now ask those questions. Shall any of this stuff separate us from God? And it gives the answer no. And then in verse 38, it's this thing that Paul just starts piling upon himself. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels, demons, present, future, powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation. I love that phrase because basically what Paul says is, I'm tired of thinking of things that could separate us. Anything in all creation. Remember the word all means all. Nothing can separate us 
from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You know I've said this before that one of the most given promises in all of Scripture, one of the most, excuse me, one of the most given commands in all of Scripture is do not fear. But oftentimes that saying do not fear is followed by one of the most given promises in Scripture, for I am with you. And the truth is that what you have here is that God is never going to leave us. Hebrews 13 says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Think about that. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. What can man do to me? The reality is that it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, that the truth is that you can never be separated from Christ. G. Campbell Morgan was a great preacher of many years ago, but the first time he went through the class to become a minister, it wasn't so good. There were 150 men that wanted to be ministers in the Methodist congregations that were available. He passed the doctrinal test, but he had to preach, and he stood in a hall of a thousand people that could be seated there, and only three people were in there. He got up on the platform and he got ready to speak. And as he went to speak, he froze. Couldn't remember a thing he was supposed to say. That day, 105 men were rejected from the ministry. One of those was G. Campbell Morgan. He wrote his dad a telegram that all it said was, Rejected. G. Campbell Morgan. A few days later, he got a response back from his dad and it simply said, Rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. G. Campbell Morgan says that that day he realized that his value wasn't based on what he had done and his value wasn't based on whether or not he was a minister, that God was always with him and he knew that God was on his side. There's a story of a tribe of Native Americans that had a unique practice for training young boys. On the night of the boy's 13th birthday, he was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, they had never been away from the security of his family or his tribe, but on this night, they blindfolded him, took him miles away. When he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of thick woods by himself all night long. Every time a twig snapped, he probably visualized some wild animal ready to pounce. Every time an animal howled, he imagined a wolf being ready to go. Every time the wind blew, he wondered what sinister thing could be behind it. No doubt it was a terrifying night. But after what seemed like an eternity, the first rays of sunlight would enter the interior of the forest. And looking around, the boys would see flowers and trees and an outline of the path. Then, to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man just seated a few feet away armed with a bow and arrow. You see, the boy's father accompanied him on the night. And he had the bow and arrow at his side, awake all night long, just in case something came. If you think of a better way for a young man to learn that his dad was always there to protect him, no matter what he might face. You see, the truth is there are going to be nights of your life when you're going to be scared to death by no matter what comes around. And no matter what happens or what does come around, the truth is that over to the side, even though you can't always see Him, is your Heavenly Father ready to fight for you, ready to give to you, ready to forgive you, 
never leaving nor forsaking you. And no matter what fear you may have, those four truths ought to be enough for you to conquer whatever comes. I just want to know this morning, what is it in your life that is holding you back? And I don't mean that I get scared of spiders. We talked about that. What I mean is what's holding you back from living a life passionately devoted to the Lord? What is it in your life that is holding you back from attempting things from God, to attempt things that God has called you to do, that is attempting to do something great and mighty and wonderful? What fears are holding this church back from seeing us do what God intends for us to do in a great and mighty way? And are we willing to trust in the truths of those four promises so that we can launch out to see God move in this town? Are you ready to be a part of that? In your own life, are you ready to let God take control and to get the spirit of fear out of you because His love casts out all fear? Are you willing to let Him lead? To take care of you when you need someone to fight for you? To take care of your needs, not necessarily your wants? To tell you that it's not about what you do or your performance, it's about who you are in Him and to realize that He is always with you no matter what?